This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, man crazy it, it you just can't I, I just can't believe how crazy things just keep getting 2020 tell you what 2020 it is the year <laughs> so <clears throat> the election uh, is still going on yeah the electors uh, vote uh, submitted their votes yesterday to Congress now, that is not the end-all, say-all. I know a lot of folks are, are saying, well, that's it, it's over. It's not, actually. In fact, it's not even over when Congress convenes in January. It was at 6. It's not officially seal, a sealed deal until the president is sworn in on January the 20th. Um, so, yeah, things can keep going. Maybe you heard that the uh, Republican side... Uh, in the states of Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Also, their electors also voted. So there's two sets of elector votes that went to Congress. <clears throat> and they did this because of uh, ongoing litigation. There were contested states. And, and uh, I, I pre-recorded these lessons so you know something could happen between this time I'm recording, and when it actually comes out at 4 o'clock this afternoon, I'm, I'm on, it's Tuesday, I'm, I try to do it as close to the time as I can, and so things could happen. There, there's new stuff coming out all the time, and the reason why I'm bringing all this up is I, I want us to, to look at this from the Christian perspective, and you may be thinking, when you're, if you're in the news and you're following what's going on, what if, what if we go to a civil war? What should I, the Christian, do? If you believe that the election was fair, and uh, then you may be thinking, do I need to fight for the the Democrats in the Civil War? That may be the, the, the perspective. If you believe it was unfair and that the Constitution is being shredded, maybe should I fight for Republicans, Trump on the other side? Who do I fight? What do I do? What do I do? Well, I think we should step back for a moment and look at this from a, a different perspective. Don't look at it from left versus right, uh, Democrat versus Republican, or, or Biden versus Trump. Don't look at it like that. Look at it from the perspective of truth. Look at it from the perspective of truth. And before I, I actually before I actually jump into that, I want to bring us to Romans chapter 13. This is where Paul talks about being subject to the government. Okay, I want us to fully understand this passage before we go go on. Uh, Here, Paul, in chapter 13 of Romans, he's already concluded a section on how Christians are to live that transformed life toward their enemies. That's in chapter 12. Now he's going to move to the reality that Christians live in a secular society governed by a secular government. 
Now, in chapter 12, Paul addressed the fact that a Christian now finds himself in a new situation, being thrown into a congregation of other Christians. And here in 13, he's addressing the fact that a Christian must live in a secular world, which, first of all, is controlled by a secular government. And back then, you know, Rome was the capital city of the empire, and it would be in a un- would be unique challenges for the Christians in Rome to maintain their transformed lives. It's still happening today. <laughs> so look at verse 1. If you've got your Bible open, or if you're not, I'll read it for you. Verse 1 of chapter 13 opens up with this. For there is no authority except from God. That's the reason we must submit to authority, is because it comes to us from God himself. Then Paul says, and those which exist are established by God. Now, those which exist is talking about all the hierarchies or, or, or levels of human authority. It's, it's established. It can, that can be translated as ordained. And it means that God is the one who determined that there would be authority. Paul's not arguing for the divine right of kings or any special form of government, but for government and for order. Now, that's important. That's what God's ordaining government, which brings order. That's imperative for us right now. Nor does Paul oppose here the revolution for a change of government. But he does oppose all lawlessness, and he opposes all disorder. Okay? He's not... uh, 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 He doesn't oppose revolution for a change of government. I think I said that wrong. But he does oppose lawlessness and disorder. The point is, whatever kind of government we might be under, the fact of having a system of government to rule over people was something that God himself ordained. He set it in order. We see this from the highest to the lowest levels, from the White House down to the man being the head of the home. Now, Paul turns to the consequences, though, next in verse 2, of not submitting to authority. Don't worry, we're going to get back to truth and what we were getting at in the beginning here in a moment. I want us to understand this passage. There's two statements found here in verse 2 that reflect the fact that God's establishing authority. Number one, quote from verse 2, Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. He who resists authority. This is true because God created the role of authority on earth. Whenever you go against what God has set in motion, you're rebelling against God. So we don't, we, we, we got to be careful there, right? It is, uh, we got to think about this before we enter into civil war, which be careful what side you pick. Number two, Paul writes, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Clear cut. Clear cut. This is again a conclusion that we may reach based on the reality that it is God who established authority. In verse 3, Paul turns to the reason why God implemented the role of government. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. The words governing authorities have been replaced by the term rulers, which denotes those who exercise authority. The purpose of having people in charge is to keep bad behavior in check. It is the reality that we will be punished for evil behavior that motivates us to do what is right. Okay? So, we got to keep that in mind. <clears throat> they, are, are put, uh, they are to put the fear of reprisal in anyone 
who wants to do evil, but not to those who want to do good. Do you want to have no fear of authority, Paul writes? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. And Paul's rhetorical question is an obvious one for every person who is under any governing authority. The expected answer is yes. No one wants to fear authority. Do what is good literally means keep doing what is good. He's talking to Christians here. When you have a good life within the limits of law, then rulers will praise you because their purpose is to make sure that people live within the law. When you're doing that, uh, you make their job easy and you're fulfilling the purpose uh, for which they exist. So there are two consequences or options. Bad behavior that violates the law results in fear on our part and condemnation from the government. But good behavior that is law-abiding results in no fear on our part and praise from the government. <coughs> and that's a... We can don't have to look too far to see where we can already see where government is going too far, right? That's true. That is true. And uh, but we, well, that's not the point of the, the, this lesson today. <clears throat> we'll get verses 4 and 5 of chapter 13. Now, logically... We are to submit to governing authorities because they are God's appointed ministers to uphold what is right. What is right? Two expressions that explain the divine authority from earthly governments. For it is a minister of God to you for good. The word minister employs the the diakonos term, deacon, which means servant. Since God established the role of rulers in the position of authority, they are all his ministers. Paul is not referring to any specific ruler or that every ruler has God's blessings for what he does, but rather God has established the office or position of authority in human affairs to you for good, to you and me both. Could mean that they benefit you, us, in keeping us on the straight and narrow, or that they benefit us by maintaining law and order, by maintaining law and order. That we may live peaceably. Law and order. Law and order. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated. (laughs) Because I'm looking out there. I'm not seeing too much of law and order in some places. Peaceably? Peaceably? I actually had to... I live in Arizona. If you're more likely listening to here. I, I remember when the riots were hitting and we were worried about them here. I had to pack... I had to keep a firearm on me because I was afraid about what could happen out there. Because there wasn't law and order. There wasn't law and order. All right. All right. Moving on. Second expression of divine authority is this, quote, But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. Since God established the earthly concept of authority, then earthly rulers are given the power of punishment. There can be no exercise of authority without the threat of punishment. To bear the sword speaks of the death penalty. Why else would Paul mention the sword? I, I, I don't think it. Mean, I don't think it should be just just the death penalty. It could be that, you know, it could be in other ways. But anyway, it is the threat of death. That makes evil doers afraid. The word sword is the um, Greek word that is the term for the Roman short sword, and it's, that's the one used in executing criminals. 
Paul's saying that God has given earthly authority the right of capital punishment. There really can be no dispute about this. There isn't. That's in the Greek. It's there. Paul does not say that authority can throw you um, in jail. He is saying that that authority can execute you. Paul lists the ultimate power of exercising authority. So if it can execute you, it can incarcerate you and do other things as well. It has those rights. falls under those things. Now, there are two repetitions of the explanation of divine authority for emphasis. Here's what Paul writes. First, for it is a minister of God and an avenger. The word minister is a repeated emphasis of authorities that were established by God. They're serving God's purpose. Avenger means to exact a penalty on those outside of what is right. This word appears only here in uh, and in 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, where it says, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in a matter uh, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Citizens are not to take the law into their own hands to try to make wrongs right. But authorities have the right to punish those who do wrong. The Lord is the actual avenger, but he operates through his servants, the authorities. Number two, Paul says, who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil? Like repeating the concept of minister, this repeats the idea of does not bear the sword for nothing. And of course, it has to do with the ultimate kind of avenging wrongs. That is, even inflicting the death penalty. And the governing authorities have this power given to them by God. Now, Linsky says that the word wrath appears 11 times in Romans, and in each instance, it is God's wrath that is referred to. Here, it is the divine wrath as executed by God on the evildoer through the government as his minister. Okay, verse 5. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection. Did I say verse 5? Verse 5, I think. I don't know what I said. Anyway, wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection. Now, this states the obvious conclusion to all that has been said, which is just a couple of verses. But now there's two specifics, two specifications as to why we need to be in subjection. Number one, a repeat of what's already been said. Not only because of wrath reiterates the power of God has invested into earthly rulers. We are also vulnerable to this wrath whenever we violate law. But number two reason is now added. But also for conscience sake, moral people, <clears throat> excuse me, moral people like Christians will violate their conscience by doing what is immoral or wrong. The structure, not only but also, shows that the conscience is a deeper reason to avoid doing what is wrong and to be uh, a su- or to subject ourselves to authorities. The concept of conscience includes the idea of the, of the means within us to determine whether our, 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 we are following an accepted standard or not. We violate the conscience whenever we knowingly do what we believe to be wrong, okay? I think that makes sense. It makes sense to me. Verse 6. <clears throat> For because of this, for because of this, this is sort of like the, the word therefore. For because of this, it, it brings us to a conclusion. 
or uh, as here in application, Paul is saying because of God's appointing governing authorities in society and having ministers carry out his standards of right and wrong, then this becomes the reason that we are required to do certain things that support the government. Now, it could actually refer back to for conscience' sake, suggesting that it is a requirement of our conscience. But that is basically saying the same thing since it, as transformed believers, our conscience is being developed by the will of God. We're trying to please God in all that we do. That's what we're trying to do. And since it is God who established authority, our conscience will want to support what God has done. Right? You get that statement coming up next. That you also pay taxes. This is one of the requirements. Paying taxes. All right? That's what it's part of submission. Correct? It is. What, what, what verse is that? We're in verse 6, right? I mean, sorry, I'm looking at my Bible here. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Verse 7. Uh, therefore, in a more general way, uh, let me read, read verse 7 first. Render to all uh, what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. That's what we ought to be doing. That's what we should be doing. Now, what does this have to do with today? Well, who's the governing authority? The one coming in or the one going out? What, what do we do? Well, here's how you can determine this. This is how I determine and I think this is biblical. This is the biblical Christian way to determine who's right or who to follow. And that is, who wants to know truth? Truth. Okay? So, who is wanting the truth? You know, when you cast your ballot... That becomes your property. That belongs to you for 22 months after you cast that ballot. Do you think we, the people, have the right to go and check those ballots to make sure they were counted accurately? We do. Because who runs this government? We, the people, we do. We do. As to the form of our, our republic here, we have representatives that we elect, and they represent us. And we pick them. We do. So we have a right to know. If, we, if there's any uh, um, worry, like right now it's half the country wants to look, the other half thinks it's fine. Well, let's turn it around. What if it was the other half that wanted to look, and, and we thought it was a fine... I would be okay with it. I remember when uh, Al Gore and George Bush and Al Gore wanted everything checked. I said, yeah, let's check. Let's verify. Verify, verify, verify. I'm all for it. I am all for truth. And when people want to look at the voting machines, the tabulators, when they want to look at the ballots, they should look. And the other side can come there to make sure it's done right. I think there should be video cameras. Let it be streamed live, whatever. They should look. Let, let's know for certain. And what's the big deal? I mean, come on. This, is, this always happens. We always check. But they, won't, they wouldn't let them. 
And when they finally got to look, so a group got to look at some tabulating machines, and they did, they, they did a for, what's called a forensic audit. Uh, the Secretary of a State of, a, of that state of Michigan went to a judge and had it sealed because they didn't want it sent out there for anyone to, to know or look at. Why? Why? Yes, that makes me angry. Yes, that makes me upset. Not angry where I'm losing control, but it shows me they don't want the truth out there. Why? Why? Why is it so difficult to go back and actually look and verify things? Why is that? Why are they pushing against that so much? So hard. That makes no sense. None. That tells me they're hiding something. What is it? I don't know. That's why we want to look. So, what should the Christian do? Call for truth. We want a truth. We want to see. Let us see it. I always tell folks, always, when I'm preaching... Don't rest your salvation on my words. Don't. Look into God's word for yourself. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. I'm a man. I'm going to be wrong on things. I have been wrong on things. And I will be wrong on things in the future. Read these things out. Study the Bible. Look at it. And the same thing goes with this. Don't take their word for it. Look. And if the evidence is there that the other side won, fine. He'll be the president and I will support it even though I don't agree with the direction he wants to take the country. But if he is not, I want to see the truth. And if there is a civil war, I'm going to stand up for what I believe is the government. Because I see it as an insurrection. And because they're not letting us see. So what is the Christian to do? Stand up for the government. Don't go and do things on your own like a vigilante But when the government calls upon us. And that's what I think the government is. Hey, we want to see this. We want to look at these things. And the other side should be too. This would quell all the problems and issues. This is biblical. Truth. God wants the truth out there. It even, you can even see that here in chapter chapter 13. Okay. Um, for verse 3, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is, the government is a minister of God to you for good. For good. If it's doing good, it's not going to hide things from us. That worries me. I don't care what's that. This is not a Republican-Democrat thing to me. This is not a Trump-Biden thing to me. This is truth. The uh, The exposure to truth. The no truth. And I don't understand why anyone would be against that. And it's not just Democrats. Republicans are doing it too. It is a Republican in Georgia and Republican Secretary of State and Governor that are not letting us know truth. Same here in Arizona. Our governor, a Republican. I loved Ducey. I don't understand why he is pushing so hard to keep us from looking into things. It doesn't make sense. Why? 
Why? So yeah, frustrated I am. I'm frustrated because I see a division in our government. They think they're the ones in charge. They think they're the ones that can say, look, you don't need to know these things. Trust me. As soon as I hear that, I don't trust them anymore. If they have information that they could show us to prove things and are unwilling to show me but tell me to trust them, red flag. Red flag. Imagine if a minister, a preacher, was preaching to you and told you, you do not need to ever pray to God. You do not need to ever be baptized. You don't ever have to do anything. You're just going to go to heaven and uh, don't have to do nothing. Just do whatever you want and you'll go to heaven. Uh, Mr. Minister, Mr. Preacher, can you show me in the Bible where it says it? I don't need to show you that. Don't read that. Trust me. Would you do that? Would you trust that? No way. No way. Show me the truth. Show me the truth. So what should Christians do? Demand the truth. Demand the truth. Folks, don't don't let them get away with this. And it's not a Republican-Democrat thing. It's not a liberal-conservative thing. It's not, it's not anything like that. This is about truth. And the government... I shouldn't say government. There, there's a lot of lies. A lot of lies out there. I have never had to dig so hard in news medias just to find truth as I have this past year. Why is it so hard to get the truth now? There are so many lies out there on both sides. On both sides. There are conspiracy theories out the wazoo. There are lies on the other uh, the ones that are just non-stop. And you just got to dig, dig, dig and find the truth. It's like that whenever I study my Bible and I get to a passage that's real difficult to understand. I start to pull out my commentaries. Boy, there's some places where they're all over the place. There's all kinds of different ideas. So I got to dig and dig to find the truth. And we got to keep on doing that. I pray for you. Pray for me. Pray for our country. I'm running out of time. But don't give up hope. Keep trying. Always demand the truth. May the God of blessing be with you and with our country at this difficult, trying time. Sending up to sweep away till she'll dawn the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.